This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to narcissistic abuse survivors. I'm Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Generally speaking, a narcissist is a person who has an excessive sense of how important they are. They demand and expect to be admired and praised by others and are limited in their capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. And guess what? Not all narcissists are made equal. Yes, that is true. Narcissism is a character trait that exists on a spectrum. A small amount of narcissism is healthy, and a person with an unhealthy level of narcissism may be called a narcissist. At extreme levels, it may be diagnosed as a narcissistic personality disorder. However, for the purposes of this podcast, a narcissist is a person who exhibits narcissistic traits and or a consistent pattern of maladaptive narcissistic behaviors, regardless of whether they meet the diagnostic criterion in the latest version of the DSM manual or have a formal diagnosis. So a person may be referred to as a narcissist on this podcast even if it is more likely that they have another cluster B personality disorder, such as borderline, histrionic, or antisocial personality disorder, so as long as they exhibit narcissistic traits and or behaviors. And now, with all that out of the way, let me tell you that we have a survivor on this episode named Grace, and she has lots of lessons to share with us, so stay tuned for that part of the show. But first, I just want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. And if you haven't left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., leave us a five-star written review if you can. It helps out a lot. If you can't do the actual written review, just give us a five-star review. And now... The quickest way to be part of our show is if you want to read a letter to your narcissist and be part of our Letters to Our Narcissist compilation episode, we have a voicemail recorder on our website, so you can go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. It's on the right-hand side of the page, and it's always floating and hard to miss. There's a button there that says Send Voicemail, so you press it, and away you'll go. We're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of that episode, so send in those voicemails. If you want me or my pal Melissa to read one of your letters instead, just send us an email to NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Put letters to your narcissist in the subject line, and we'll go from there. Also, if you are using the recorder... It's uh, five minutes is as long as you have. So if you have to record it twice, do it twice. Three times, record it three times. Four, five, as many times as you want to get your whole entire story or your letter in there. What else is going on? Let's see. Our fundraiser for Layla is going. 
please un- keep on sending in your donations because Layla is going to get trauma therapy for a year. We're going to raise money for her. She was in the unfortunate circumstances of being married to a police officer. And that police officer was an abuser and she has trauma issues. So she really needs this therapy badly. So everyone out in the community, go to our website, NarcissistApocalypse.com. Find the fundraiser section inside. You can hear Layla's story. You can read a little bit about it as well. And you can click on the fundraiser part and give to Layla. And we're going to help her have a better life. So that is that part of the intro here. I'm almost done. Before we get out of the way here, what else do I have here? Oh, I do have something else. I do. Um, to the one person who sent me a voicemail this week, you sent me three voicemails, and we were discussing police abuse. You had the police abuse issue. I'm waiting for your email because I have information I need to send back to you, and you didn't leave it on the voicemail. I don't want to call because I don't want to uh, shock you, or uh, I know that you're screening your calls, and mine would come in uh, unknown. So if you're listening to this, email me because I have information for you to get back to you. So get a hold of me, and we'll go from there. And what else do I got here socially? I went to see The Joker this week with an old friend. It was a decent movie. It was a good movie. I'm not going to complain about the movie. It was, it was, I liked it more after the fact than when I did actually watch it. I, was, I felt it was kind of long, but the more I thought about it, the more I actually enjoyed the movie. And to that person who I went to that movie with, maybe one day you'll be sitting on the other end of these microphones and we can talk about your life a little bit. And besides that, I had a fun day at the park the other day with friends and their kids. We did our annual Yom Kippur walk. And for those of you that don't know what that is, in the Jewish faith, faith, it's the day of atonement for all your sins. And it's my least favorite Jewish holiday because you also have to fast, which I do not. So I reinvented it. Instead, my two friends and I and their kids, we take a long walk and eventually end up at a pond or a river and we throw stones in the water for everything we want to let go in the past year. And then after we're done that, we then throw stones for everything we want to accomplish or work on about ourselves this year. So that's what we did. And if you have a holiday that you don't like, do what we did. It's a good way to uh, enjoy your day and look forward to your year and try and let go of the things from the past. It was a fun day as always. And we got a lot of steps in as well, and the kids had a good time too. And what else before we start? Before we start the interview, in my notes here I have, there's a weird jump cut in this episode towards the end. You may not notice it, but it's there. Because during this interview, you know, I'm still learning, especially when we actually recorded this interview. Uh, My memory card got full, so we did our best to try and figure out where to restart it. So I apologize about that. You may not even notice at all that it even occurred, but I do. Anyway, and now I'm going to get out of my own way. Here is my interview with Grace, and I'll check back in with all of you when it is over. So thank you to everyone out there who has tuned into this episode. And on this episode, we have a narcissist abuse survivor with me right now named Grace. How are you doing, Grace? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we just talked for a little bit before this started, and I think we're, yeah. we're, we're kind of ready to go. So I'm going to just get out of your way for you to tell your story. And once again, thank you for sharing with us today. 
Thank you for having me. Okay, well, um, <laughs> my story, it's, it, it starts off um, basically... I was involved in a relationship for several years, um, and I was engaged to the individual that I was involved with. Um, this was not the person that I was abused by. Um, it wasn't the greatest relationship. I, you know, neither of us were really happy, but there was nothing, you know, tumultuously going on in the relationship. Um, but I ended up getting pregnant. Um, by him, we were engaged, you know, so on and so forth. Um, I had my daughter in 2011 and things just kind of fell off course in my existing relationship at that time. Um, because we were both a little bit older. Um, we were very ill prepared for the birth of my daughter. Um, she was a very, she's an amazing child, but she was a difficult baby. Um, so we, it was just, it was, the the first year of my daughter's life is basically a blur. Um, both of us were working full time, if not more. Um, my daughter didn't sleep. I was exhausted. I worked, I was, you know, a loan officer at the time. I worked at a bank. Um, and I had been there for a few years. Um, so at any rate, there was an individual that I worked with. Um, he didn't work directly with me per se, but he worked, you know, for the small bank that I worked for. Um, and he was, not somebody I got along with. Um, I have a very strong personality. Um, I'm very kind of tell it like it is. Um, I had to deal with him um, sort of indirectly in the job, you know, that I was in. Um, and we didn't get along. Um, I He was very, um, trying to think of the word, like arrogant, very kind of loud, very boisterous, um, a little bit sleazy, like I don't really can't really think of a better, you know, a different word for that. Um, so I was out of work, you know, for I believe a couple months after I had my daughter. I came back to work. Um, I was literally exhausted, just kind of going through the motions of the day. Um, you know, that was it. You know, fast forward, you know, till about a year after my daughter was born. Um, this individual approached me at work one day and just started talking to me nicely, which was unusual because we didn't really get along. We sort of avoided each other. Um, and he was just very sweet. First, it, it just, I was taken aback because he was like, you know, how are you doing? How is your daughter? Is your man taking care of you? And, you know, asking me all these questions when in reality I was very miserable in, in the situation that I was in you know, the relationship that I was in at the time, I mean, it was basically on its way out, more or less. Like, we had just been trying to work it out, and, you know, I just was in a very vulnerable place in my life at that point. Um, so, basically, it kind of just, like, escalated from there. We started talking at work. Like, it just so happened that, like, I would take lunch, and he would take lunch at the same time, and you know, we just started to kind of, you know, just chit chat at work and it became a little flirtatious and, you know, whatever. And I didn't really think anything of it. Like I said, I was just, you know, exhausted in every aspect of my life at that point. Um, so I want to say probably about like, I want to say it was like November of 2012. Um, a bunch of us at work, I worked for a small, you know, a small place at that point. Um, we had all made plans to go out to dinner after work on a Friday. So I had made arrangements. 
Um, I was still living with my daughter's father at that point, but, you know, like I said, our relationship was pretty much on its way out. Um, I had made arrangements for him, you know, to watch her that night. I told him that I was going to go out with my coworkers. And um, at the last minute, everybody kind of, like, couldn't go. Like, it was just weird. Like, it was, like, every it, – it was just – a weird circumstance for like all these people are like, Oh, I can't make it out. Oh, my, my son is sick. And, and it just ended up just being me and him really. Like I'm not even joking. It ended up being me and this guy went out to dinner with each other because nobody else could go. Um, and we actually had a really good time. So we were just, you know, we had a couple drinks. We were talking, chit chatting, blah, blah, blah. I gave him a ride home, went home. And then he, it just kind of escalated. He started texting me, started, you know, I hate to use this terminology, but like literally like love bombing me. Like, you know, oh, you look so, you you're, you look beautiful today. Um, I would love to hang out with you again. Like just kind of, you know, and in my mind, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. I didn't really care at that time. I was like, oh, you know. Um, but, it, you know, sure enough, a few months later, to make a long story short, we were romantically involved with each other. Um, and, it was dysfunctional. Even to me, like in the beginning, it was just, even though nothing, there's nothing I can like put my finger on that was like weird. I think it was just weird the way the circumstance happened. Like he knew I was still living with somebody. He knew I had, you know, uh, basically, you know, a newborn. Um, but we became involved nonetheless. Um, but it was always like, I don't know. There was always like, I kind of kept, distance like I didn't let myself get like fully involved with him because I knew I still had other you know situations going on in my life that needed to be sorted out um so (laughs) needless to say um I would say maybe about six months in um things just started getting strange um I just started to kind of just like, I didn't feel right about what was happening. Um, I didn't really know who to confide in because everybody that knew me knew, you know, me and my daughter's father were together. We were engaged, you know, like everybody kind of was just in tune with that part of my life. Nobody really knew what was really happening. Um, so I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. And I was just kind of just, I, I was all over the place, you know, as far as that, my life was concerned. Um, but it was just starting getting weird. I started to notice kind of like little like head games, if you will. Um, you know, certain things like, Oh, well, I'll call you, I'll call you tonight or, you know, stuff like, and then he wouldn't call or, you know, just stupid stuff, but like stuff that would like kind of like mess with my head a little bit. Um, and I remember, like, talking to my brother about the situation. My brother was like, you need to stop talking to this person immediately. You know, like, even if you and, you know, your daughter's father are not going to stay together, like, this individual, like, you need to, like, just cut all ties. And I was like, no, you're right. Like, in my mind, I knew he was right. But it was hard because I worked with him, you know. And um, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nobody at work knew anything was going on um, because I just preferred it that way. I mean, it's just extremely unprofessional when you work somewhere and you're involved with something. You know, I just wanted to keep it separate. Um, But the problem is, is, like, he started to mess with me at work. Like, he started to purposely flirt with other people in front of me, um, specifically the person that I shared an office with. You know, like, just like all these mind games with me and and, uh, to the point where I was getting upset at work and um, ultimately (laughs) about a year in um, to us sort of having whatever was going on between us, I suspected that he was messing around with the person that I shared an office with, Um, which wasn't necessarily happening, but I found out that he was trying to. Um, and then when I found out and I confronted him with the proof that I had, it became my fault. And I was, it was my fault because I was going through her things when she was on vacation. You know, it was just, you know, I prefer to, to not get into too much detail about that, but just stuff like that kept happening. So it got to the point where, I left the job. Like I found a different job and I was like, I don't want to even have to deal with this every day, like Monday through Friday. I just, you know, whatever happens between me and him, whatever, but I just don't want to deal with it anymore. So I actually left the job, found a different job, thought that things would perhaps get better, but they only got worse <laughs> at that point. Um, So, um, after I started my new job, um, you know, me and my daughter's father officially, like, it was like over, like he went his own way. I went my own way. Um, I bought a condo. Um, and when I bought my condo is when things went from like, kind of like bad and sketchy to like worse, like things got really bad um i have one question when you and your uh the father of your daughter uh separated uh for good uh at that point did you think okay that uh, that part of my life is over i'm going to raise my daughter this other guy's out of the way it was your mind uh at this point like everything is good was there a split second where it was good or would just still kind of declining No, it was, I was actually really sort of upset over the way things played out. Um, because I always had like a, in the back of my mind, I always knew what was happening between me and the new person was, was weird or or something wasn't right. And I always knew that in the back of my mind, but I kind of like ignored it and brushed it aside. Um, my daughter's father is a great father, um, and we're still in each other's lives even to this day. Um, we split, um, custody with her 50, 50, 
Um, we live five minutes from each other. We both see her, you know, all the time. We do stuff with her, you know, together. Like I'm on good terms with his family. He's on good terms with my family, you know, so we're very much still entwined in each other's lives. Um, the problem is, is that he's not like a really good communicator. So like, it's never really been discussed like what happened, but I think like he knows what happened. I know what happened. Um, he knows that I was seeing somebody else, you know, it, it just, it was never really talked about, um, because we knew we weren't really happy together anyway, but we're still, you know, when that ended, no, I didn't feel like a sense of relief. If that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like, Oh, okay, cool. I can do with this guy now. Cause he, quite frankly, this guy, you know, the, the new guy was a complete moron. Like he was an idiot. And, um, I kind of felt like, you know, I, 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 maybe I, I made a mistake, you know, like that was always in the back of my mind. Um, but you know, here I was, you know, these are major life decisions. You know, we left the house that we shared together, you know, he had his house, I had mine, you know, there, there was no going back at that point. Like, you know, um, so that was that. Um, so I'm with this, this new person. And I don't really know, you know, with, I, I don't really know what that means anymore. <laughs> um, because I thought we were together, but I don't believe in his eyes, we ever really like were, or we were committed to each other <laughs> as far as he's concerned. Um, but I do know that, um, you know, shortly after, I, you know, like I have already said, um, I always knew something wasn't right and something was off. Um, you know, shortly after, you know, I had gotten my own place and, you know, there was an incident when, um, well, first let me say this. Um, it got to the point where, okay, when, when we first started hanging out, um, if that's what you want to call it, it's like he couldn't get enough of me. Like I was beautiful. I was this, I was that. I was so much fun to be around. He loved talking to me. He was so attracted to me, but I can literally like pinpoint that there is a point in time when that just stopped, like that stopped. And that was when I was like, okay, well, what's the problem? Like, you know what I mean? Like you were so into me and all of a sudden you're not, did you meet somebody else? And like, I tried to have this conversation with him, but having this conversation with him was like having this conversation with like a, a you know, an invalid, like, cause you don't get any answers. You don't get anywhere. Like you're talking yourself in circles. So I just kind of like let that go. And I think, Oh, well, maybe, you know, when people are together for a certain period of time, you know, they're not, you know, the honeymoon is over. And I, I literally can tell you, I quote, like he said that to me, oh, well, the honeymoon phase is over and, you know, that happens. And and I'm thinking, well, that, we haven't even known each other that long. Like, what do you mean? You know? So one incident um, that sticks in my mind um, very vividly when I knew that something was like really wrong, like this just went like beyond, um, 
a bad relationship, you know, because everybody's had bad relationships or dysfunctional relationships. But this particular incident is when I was like, okay, something's not right. Like I'm being abused. (laughs) Um, Is we, I, not we, I had bought tickets to go see a show of some sort in the area where I live. Um, And, I remember vividly, like, getting ready and, like, doing my hair nice. And I had stopped at the store on my way to his place. And I even remember, like, the the cashier at the store being like, your hair looks awesome. And it was a guy that said that to me. And he was like, oh, your hair looks awesome. You look great. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, like, I remember I was, like, feeling really good about myself and, you know, whatever, and I show up at this place, and I remember walking in, and him looking at me, and he'd be like, what the hell, he, he literally, and I quote, he goes, what the hell did you do to your hair, and I was like, <laughs> I remember just standing there, and being like, am I, is, am I, right? did he just say that to me, like, my hair looks great, like, what is he talking about, like, just trying to, like, tear me down for no reason, just trying to find anything that he could to, like, tear me down, so then, wouldn't, wouldn't um, the universe have it that we show up at this show that I had gotten tickets for, and one of the people that we worked with at the prior job that I had left because of him was there, and she was sitting, like, a few rows behind us with her family and her husband or whatever, and I remember him getting so nervous and so, like, he couldn't sit still, and he was super antsy, and and that's because he was basically trying to sleep with everybody there behind my back. You know what I mean? And, like, he didn't want her to see us there. So that was that, and I remember being like, okay, this guy won't even come near me. Like, he's all antsy. He's nervous, and I was just like, he insulted me, and I, I just remember being over, like, ugh, like, so we went out after and we got drunk. Like we, I remember just being so frustrated and so like, I, I'm like, th- my whole life has basically been in upheaval for the past year because of this person. I remember getting drunk and afterward we went back to his place. And I remember like just, you know, trying to like cuddle with him or trying to this and try to that. And I remember him like pushing me away from him and I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you pushing me away? He's like, I I just don't want to be near you right now. I'm like, why? What did I do? You know, like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Before I know it, it just kind of went back and forth and back and forth. And he's like, just go to bed. And, like, anybody who knows me well knows that I'm not the kind of person who can just go to bed. Like, I'm upset or something is unsettled. I don't just go to bed. Like, I will stay up all night. Like, I need resolution. Like, I need to feel calm. Like, I can't just go to bed. Um, and he was like, just go to bed, just shut up, just go to bed. And I was like, no, what the heck is your problem? Like, you need to tell me what your problem is. And that's when I kind of brought up like how I was upset, how he insulted my hair, how he, uh, well, literally before I knew it, um, he had picked, I, I don't know, cause it was dark in the room and I had had a few drinks, but I know exactly what happened. Um, he had picked up a sock, one of his dirty socks off the floor, and he stuffed it in my mouth, and he was like, will you shut up now? Will this make you shut up? Is this enough to make you shut up? And I remember, like, literally freezing. Like, I froze, 
And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, I've never had somebody physically pin me down. I've never had somebody display that sort of aggression toward me, um, you know, physically stuff anything in my mouth. And I just remember like, and he was a big guy. I mean, he was a lot bigger than me. I'm five, two, I'm small. Like, and I just remember like, he got off of me and I just remember going out in his living room and just sitting there on his couch until the wee hours of the morning when I felt safe, like to drive home, you know, cause I had been drinking a little bit. Um, and then I just left and I went home and I just remember getting home and just my mind was just like spinning. Like I was just like, I, I don't even know what just happened. I can't believe somebody would do something like that to me. Um, I, I just remember just feeling, I, I can't even like fully get into like what I was feeling, but wouldn't you know, as the morning, he didn't care. I mean, he went right back to sleep. Like it didn't matter. And then I remember about like noon, like the following day, he just talked to me and he was like, Hey, what's up? Like that didn't just happen the night before when I was like so distraught and so like confused about like what just happened. And, and it was just like, and I was like, you need to call me. Like we need to talk. So like he called me and I was like, do you understand like what just happened? Like, Last night, like, you physically stuffed one of your socks in my mouth. And he was like, oh, no, you you deserved it. You hit me. You, I was like, I did not hit you. Like, I don't – I've never hit a person in my life. Like, I didn't hit you. Like, he was, like, trying to, like, turn it, like, blink. Literally, he was so manipulative. By the time the conversation ended, he had me feeling like it was my fault. And I believed it. Like, I believed it was, like, my fault. Like, oh, okay, that's what happened. All right, well, I deserve that. Like, literally, that's how I felt. And it just it, it just ricocheted from there. I mean, incidents like that happens a lot <laughs> with him. Um, it, I don't know. Um, so it can, sorry. So, so that kind of stuff just, uh, continued and did it snowball? Did it get bigger? It didn't get bigger, but I think the impact it had on me became worse. Mm -hmm. Um, because literally every time that something like that happened, it became my fault. Um, if I found, so then I started like noticing everything. I became like hyper aware at that point. Like I was like just looking for things like he's cheating on me or he's this or, and he was, I mean, there's no question that he was, but I didn't want to believe it because I didn't see like the actual tangible proof. Like it got to the point where I was so, like, under his spell, if you will, which is, like, crazy. And that's why, like, I have not even told these things to, like, people that are extremely close to me and know me so well because it, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't be like, there's no way you would let that happen. Like, how would you let that happen? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If he had me so, like, under his spell, if you will, that, like, if I physically witnessed him sleeping with somebody, he would turn it around and manipulate me into believing that I didn't really see it. <laughs> like, if that makes sense. Um, so at this point, you aren't telling anyone what's going on and you think you're crazy. No. No. I, nobody knew yeah. at this point um, the extent of what was happening. Um, it got to the point where I started to incidents like, you know, there's a million, so I'm not even going to every single one of them, but incidents like, you know, the sock incident, things like that were happening um, more and more, um, you know, stupid stuff, like even like, oh, well, I'll call you tonight, and then he doesn't call me, and then I don't hear from him for days, or, you know, just stuff that, like, really had me in a very anxious state 24-7, you know, for days on end, when it's like, I have a what you know, I have a job, I have a daughter, I have a home. Like I can't be feeling this way, but I was. And that just rubbed me so wrong that I was just so anxious and, and, and that's when I really started drinking a lot. Um because it was my only way to like calm or I felt to calm myself down and to not worry about so much what was happening or where he was or what he was doing or um, it got to the point where like I started um, trying to tell people in my life, um, you know, I had tried to tell my mother and uh, that was a bad mistake because she's the kind of person, well, then just leave him, just walk away, you know, but at this point I feel like um, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy. Like, I don't know why it wasn't that easy, but it just, to me, it wasn't that easy. I've read a lot about like the, you know, uh, the chemical addiction that Mm -hmm. people can have to people in these sort of situations. And like, I was feeling that like I had gone through periods of time where I, I can't even tell you how many times I changed my phone number. Um, I would ignore him. I would block him. I would do you know, anything that I could, cause I'm like, okay, I, I just have to like break away from him. I have to. And then he would show up with flowers or he would, you know, every single time I tried to break away and like, I like, I mean it this time, I'm not going to talk to him again. Then he would come back even, you know, tenfold, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'd come back, harder, me harder, back harder and stronger every single time. Right. And it would work every single time. And like, it basically it got to the point where I was just, I literally, and, and just to give you a little bit of background, like I'm a very smart person. Like I am very self-sufficient. Like I was not reliant on him financially. He was not the father of my child. I had my own home. He had nothing. Like I didn't need anything from him at that point 
it was emotional. Like he had some kind of like emotional control over me. And I, I, to this day, like I'm still trying to figure that out or why I allowed that to happen. Um, but this person just had such a control over me because he had me. I mean, I don't even want to use that term. He had me, but when dealing with him, I was in like the darkest day. I mean, I was at the point where I was drinking every day, every day. And I don't even know how I was still like functioning and going to work and, and, and taking care of my daughter. Cause I was, but I was just going through the motions at that point. Um, you know, I mean, this went on for like five years, you know, just these games, these, you know, I'd show up to his house and, you know, not to be too descriptive, but like, it got to the point where I'd go to his house and I'd be like, Oh, I have to use the bathroom. And I'd go into the bathroom. I'd go through his garbage. Like literally like I would go through his garbage because I would find stuff. Like, I'm not even joking. Like I would find like condom wrappers and like, and I would confront him with it. Oh no, that's not for me. Oh, not. And then it's like, I was just so like, Oh, okay. Oh, all right. I got, I, Oh, I get it now. And I was just making excuses for myself Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to break it off of him. Like I didn't want to take responsibility for the fact that I'm like allowing this relationship to continue or this abuse. Like, I mean, it just, he got me to the point where he would even say, like, I would call, I mean, he would say there were times when I would be in such despair over like, you know, I would call him out on something. Anytime I would call him out on something, he would ignore me. And and, and sometimes he would ignore me for weeks. I'm not joking. He wouldn't answer his phone. He wouldn't call me. He would act as though I never existed. And that would be like, kind of like the most troubling thing to me because I'm a communicator. Like if you hate me, tell me you hate me. Like, don't ignore me. Like, that's what would drive me insane would be like the ignoring me. And he would use that as a tool to to just get me crazy. Seriously. I feel like in my heart, like he would use that because he knew how crazy that would get me and he would ignore me. And then I would get to the point literally after like a few weeks, I would get to the point where I'd be like angry and I'd be like, fuck him. I don't want to talk to him ever again. I hate him. Like I'd be so mad. And wouldn't you know, that's when he would show up with flowers or he would like, you know, Oh, everything's going to be okay. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, and then that, I'd be like, okay, well maybe it'll be different. This time. But it was never different. It would just get worse. And it would just go, it would just, uh, it was like, it was just the most despicable situation that I could imagine anybody being in. It was demeaning. It was, it destroyed my self-esteem for, for so long. I literally had no self-esteem. Like I stopped caring about the way I looked. I stopped caring about really anything. And when I started kind of going, like, I would say maybe about three years in is when I started going like quote unquote, like public, like with what was really happening. Um, but I just found that I kind of got criticized more by doing that because um, people be like, well, then just stop talking to him then just cut it out, leave him alone. Like, don't, don't answer his phone calls. Don't allow him to come over. Don't, you know? So it was just like, instead of really getting like that understanding from anybody, I got 
you know, put in a situation where I was feeling even worse about myself and about my choices. That, that, that is probably the worst thing that could have happened. Um, I mean, you're going to people for support and you just want someone who's non-judgmental, who's going to listen to you. And you got, you know, it kind of, you kind of got like when someone's depressed and someone just says like, just buck up like, uh, that kind right. of, that kind of response, uh, at that point, you know, you're addicted to this man. You literally are addicted. Um, I was addicted to him for sure. Like, like I can admit that. Yeah. I definitely was. And it's, it's a hard to quit. You're bonded to this person. You're struggling every day, uh, for uh, a solid five years. It was definitely a, a solid five years. Solid it, five it was years. probably more than that off and on, but I would say for like a solid five years. Yeah. So, so, so you have an addiction to him. Uh, you're drinking throughout this whole entire period. Is your life careening out of control on the drinking part? Yes. At a certain point, yes, it definitely was. Um, like you're, I, like you're a functioning alcoholic at that point, careening towards un- towards unfunctional. I was getting to that point um, on, on many occasions I got to that point, but then I had to really like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to stop because I have to work and I have a child. And I would tell myself that. And then, you know, I'd go like a week or whatever, and then something would happen or, you know, something be- would happen between me and him and it would like set me off the rails again, you know? Um it was bad. I mean, honestly, like, I thank God, like, that I didn't get pulled over. I didn't, you know, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody else. Um, because it was really, really out of control at a certain point because that was the only means in my mind that I could, I could get through <laughs> the situation that I was in. Mm-hmm. Because anybody that I talked to, all they did was persecute me. Um, I sought counseling and, and, and I've, I had counselors dismiss me um, because I wasn't being abused in the, in the typical sense of being abused. Um, I wasn't living with a man who was coming home and like beating the crap out of me every day. Like I wasn't dealing with that sort of situation, um, you know, and, and I come across as a very self-sufficient individual. So I, I don't think these counselors or therapists were taking me seriously. Um, they were just thinking, oh, well, you're in a bad situation. Just stop talking to him. You know, like I, I was kind of getting it from all directions. Like I wasn't getting, I was seeking help. I was seeking, um, I was seeking something, you know, I was trying to let people know, like, this is what's going on with me. Like I am losing it because I was getting to a point where it was so bad. Like, I mean, I remember him leaving me a voicemail and I, I've since deleted anything that had anything to do with him. I mean, I remember him leaving me a voicemail telling me how useless I was and I should just kill myself, you know? Like, I mean, these are the kind of things like this person was saying to me and, and this was happening on a daily, if not weekly, you know, I mean, this was happening constantly. And like, I was, you know, I live alone. I'm with my dog, you know, I have her half the time, you know, the other time, you know, I'm sitting here going crazy. And like, I was reaching out to every avenue that I could possibly find at a certain point. And I was getting shut down every single time at a, 
literally. <laughs> like it's like the, the system. The system to- failed you. Uh, like your support system failed you. The medical, uh, I guess you know, the therapy uh, in- yes. industry failed you. Uh, everywhere yeah. you've turned, you've uh, uh, were looking for help. Uh, that you needed to get out of the situation. All you really needed was probably one person to say, I'm here for you. Yeah. I get it. And that would really help propel you. But at every single step, it wasn't there and it kind of went on. And it sounds like, you know, which I think we would eventually get to is your your conundrum within yourself is probably saying to yourself, or trying to look internally, how did I let this continue to go on for so long? How did I get here? What happened maybe in my past that made me so susceptible to this? Right. And is that well, it's kind of what your a big problem with what you're dealing with right now is? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you think, hit the nail on the head with that. Because one thing you have to remember here, uh, for just for yourself, is you were looking for help. Um, you were looking for these things to help you in these situations and that, that the, all these systems uh, failed you. I mean, at one point you have to say to yourself, you have to look at it and say, I was trying and I was doing my best. I was looking for anyone who could be my ally to, to, to be my witness to what was going on. And everyone who you were listening, who was, uh, you wanted to listen, it didn't work. Right. And that was nothing that you could have controlled. You were actually right. trying and, you know, to think that, you know, yeah, it went on for a long time, but of course it did because no one was listening to you. And I think that's a big part right. of uh, what we're dealing with. Like, uh, you know, if you're raised in a narcissistic household or you're dating someone, if you're crying out to all these people, like this is what's going on and no one's listening to you, it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. And number two, since no one is listening, it's just going to continue most likely until you find someone to say like, yes, this is going on. You are not crazy. Right. I am here for to listen to you and help you with whatever you're doing. So just so you know, I mean, you did try and uh, to mentally hopefully uh, have that kind of sink in uh, with other with other other uh, healing work that you are doing right now. Right. No, I appreciate that because um, you know it, it got me to the point where I was feeling. Hopeless. I was feeling more isolated. I was feeling like, okay, well, I guess I'm stuck in this situation because this is the only person I have. Like, literally, my mindset was so twisted and so warped at a certain point. I thought, well, at least I have him. When he was the very person that was destroying me. Like, you know, and in this phone call, I can't even begin to, to describe, you know, all of sort of you know, the manipulation and, and the abuse, you know, the emotional abuse, honestly, w- which was even more disturbing to me, um, as crazy as that sounds. Um, I just started to feel hopeless. At a certain point, I felt hopeless. Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm never going to get out of this. Um, you know, I have nobody left. You know, my family basically didn't want to hear it. <laughs> they didn't want to believe it. And, and you want to know, you want to know why is because, you know, it was very textbook is he came across so charming and so charismatic and so like, 
my family, they've all met him and they thought he was a great guy. <laughs> they really did. They thought it was me. <laughs> like I was the one. So why, was... why, why did they think that? Like growing up, was this a, like an issue with you and your family that they, like there was a trust issue with them or not? Is there <laughs> is there a trust issue with my family? Um, yeah, probably for sure. Um, you know, I didn't grow up in the greatest family. I didn't grow up in the worst family either. Um, you know, I could say it was a very broken home, um, and everybody is just kind of like it's dog eat dog <laughs> in my family. You know what I mean? Like everybody just kind of is like looking out for themselves at this point. You know. Um, and that's, you know, for me, the hardest thing for me was, was to tell my father, um, what was happening. Um, because I went through probably about a 15 year period of time where I didn't speak with him. Um, not by my own choice. It was his choice. It was his doing. Um, we didn't speak for about 15 years. We started talking, I want to say about three, two or three years before I had my daughter. Um, and we, we tried to reestablish a relationship, um, because I was always very, very close with my father growing up. Um, and I always had kind of those insecurities. I, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've never had a great relationship with a man. I really truly haven't. Um, so I'm not going to candy coat that, but I've never, you know, there's bad relationships and then there's like, you know, horrific relationships, abusive relationships. I, I've never had a horrifying experience till this particular experience. Um, you know, I've just always kind of had dysfunctional codependent sort of, you know, situations. Um, and I was always kind of one of those people that just kind of like jumped from relationship to relationship, you know, was never alone if you will. Like I've never really had a period in my life until now, which it's a good thing until now where like, I wasn't involved with somebody to some capacity. Um, so the hardest thing for me, I think was, was to really kind of tell my father what was up, like what was happening, um, what was going on with me and this individual. Um, and I told him and he seemed to really understand and, and have compassion and, and get it. Um, I think it made him uncomfortable. Like, I think it hurt him. I think like he took some of the blame, which honestly, and I hate to say this, he should, <laughs> um, because I think he sort of like ingrained that insecurity in me where like, I feel like, or I felt, <laughs> Um, because I don't necessarily feel that way right now, but I think like throughout all of my adult life, I always kind of felt like I needed somebody at all costs, you know, like even if, it, you know, but this situation, it became a cost to like myself, like my life, like my livelihood. Um, and it, I think it bothered him. Um, but, you know, just to kind of like bring it back, <laughs> Um, he came to visit me recently, um, very recently, in fact, because he doesn't live, you know, he doesn't live near me. He came to visit me with his, his now wife and she made a comment to me. <laughs> she made a comment to me one night that really, really, really stuck with me and really, really bothered me. Like it upset me 
after they left and I really had the chance to kind of sit and think about it is the first night they came here, we went out to dinner and we came home and we were just talking and she brought up my daughter's father, which she doesn't even know him, but she was like, Oh, I wish you two could have worked it out. And you, I said, well, that's not going to happen. You know, like that's over with, like we co-parent great. Like we get along for the sake of my daughter, like everything is fine. As far as I was concerned, um, you know, basically is what I was trying to say. Um, and she was like, well, you're probably going to be alone forever then. What? And I, Right. And I was like, what? And I just remember, like, I was like, well, what the hell what kind of thing is that to say? And she was like, well, I, you know, I'm saying you're probably going to be alone forever. You know, like you seem set in your ways and you're not open to anything. So you're probably going to be alone forever. And I was like, in my head, I was like, who the hell do you think you are to say that to me? Like, and my father who knows the situation, or, or I thought he understood the situation because I confided in him. Like I, it took me a lot to tell him what was really going on with me at a certain point in my life. And he just sat there and didn't say a damn thing. And I was like, who, who the hell are you to tell me I'm going to be alone forever? Like, you don't even know what I just went through like a year ago. And you're going to sit there and say that to me in my, when I welcome you into my home and like, Oh, I was so mad. And, and, and honestly, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, my boundaries are so solid right now because that's the one thing I never had was boundaries. My boundaries are so solid. I have not even spoken to my father, like honestly, because I expressed to him how much that bothered me and how insulting that was and how out of line that was. And he did not have the same view. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to keep my, <laughs> in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to keep my distance right now because that's not okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, no, I, I have a friend, uh, if, if that was said to one of my friends, she would have uh, probably, she would have clapped back and then probably said, if you say something like that again, you're going to catch these hands. Um, she's, if someone, you know, that's not, that's not something you say to someone out of the blue. You don't really know them that right. well. Um, right. I mean, it's just it, something you don't say in your father's reaction. Obviously he's in a, uh, this is his wife and you're his daughter. He's in now in, in whatever spot he's in. He took the wrong, you know, he took the side of his wife, um, all mm-hmm. the power to him, but, uh, you know, you're his daughter and you should be the prior, you know, yes, he's a remarried, but you're still his daughter. You know, his number one priority in right. life once you have a child is to protect your child. Um, right. And right. a good on you for having uh, that boundary. Right. No, I, I, I have to, because, you know, I, I literally, I, <laughs> there was a point in my life where I didn't know, and I'm talking recent, you know, going back like a year I didn't know what boundaries were, honestly, because they had never been established for me. Like I was never taught as a child, like boundaries or like the proper, you know, my parents had a very dysfunctional relationship. They didn't necessarily have an abusive relationship, but they had a very dysfunctional relationship. And I was never really taught like boundaries. I was just, you know, I saw my mother very needy, needy, you know, always needing a man and my father dismissive. And, you know, that was like the kind of thing that I always saw. 
um, growing up, you know, even into my teens. So, you know, I don't hate my father. I love my father, but, you know, I can love him from a distance right now because I don't need to to be told, oh, well, you're probably going to be alone forever. It's just that was very insulting to me. Um, because I've been through a lot and, and, you know, right now I'm at the point where I don't really care if I'm alone forever. You know, I don't, do I want to be alone? You know, no, you know, realistically, I don't really think a lot of people do, but I don't care right now at this point. That is not, you know, that's not my objective is, is meeting somebody and dating and, you know, any of that, that's really, really, truly not my objective. Um, which sort of like brings me to, um, you know, the end of, of the end, if you will, um, with this person, um, it got to the point where I was like, um, really sort of like a paranoid mess, if you will. Like, I, I don't really know how to, how else to describe it. I mean, I had figured out how to hack into everything he had. Like, (laughs) I'm not joking. Like I could get into all his emails. Like it's not, you know, like I seriously could be like a PI at this point. Um, so I like had gotten into all his emails, had gotten the only, only, only thing. And I don't do social media. I just don't like, I just value my privacy too much. Like I really, truly do. I'm a very private person. Um, you know, I'm sort of all about like connections with people. Like I, I'm just, I'm not on social media. I'll, I'll reactivate my Facebook every now and again, just to kind of see like, Oh, I heard so-and-so had a baby. I want to see a picture, you know, but I'm not like all, all in, you know, like on social media. So the one thing I couldn't, I couldn't get into for the life of me, as much as I tried, I could not get into this person's Facebook, and I knew that that's, that's what held the key. I, I swear to God, and I know this sounds so crazy, but I knew, like, that's where everything was. But I couldn't get in there. So I could get into everything, and I could see, I, you know, I, I saw stuff, whatever. Um, in June of last year, one of my best friends, one of my best friends, um, who's one of like the few friends I have left, <laughs> like, because so many people got so sick of hearing about my tumultuous relationship that they just like walked away, you know, they didn't want anything to do with me. Um, and I can't blame them cause I didn't even want anything to do with myself at a certain point. I got so sick of hearing myself talk. Um, <laughs> so her mother had passed away I went to a wake. I came home um, because they had set up like some kind of like fund, you know, to donate money to Alzheimer's because she passed away of like early onset. So I came home and I went to go log into my work computer because I'm like, well, you know, let me donate, you know, money in her memory. You know, I just went to her memorial. I'm telling you, I'm not even joking. Like I've never been able to get into this person's Facebook. I pull up my work computer. I open it up. The home page is his Facebook. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, I don't know if like he was on it or he logged into it from my work computer and just never logged out. I don't know what the situation was, but all I know is like the first thing I did is I went to all of his private messages and I read every single one and it confirmed everything that I knew or thought to begin with. Um, 
And that was it. In my mind, I was like, I can, I have to cut all ties with this person, like immediately, because I was at the point where I was just so weak and so like torn down and so like under his like control that I was like, this is it. Like, this is it. Like I'm done. And I text him. I, 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 just like I am, I always have to have the last word. So I took screenshots of all of the, you know, quote unquote incriminating messages. I text them to him and I said, do not ever contact me again. And I blocked his number. I blocked every means of contact that he could have with me. I threw out everything he ever gave me. Like, I just wanted at that point, I had had enough. Like I wanted my life back. Like I just, I wanted to be me again. And that was it. He never tried to contact me. He never showed up at my house. Um, I went through a period of, of withdrawal. (laughs) I'm going to be completely frank with you. Like, I went through a period where I physically was withdrawing from this person, um, but I just went through it because I was like, this is it. Because it's going to get to the point where I am going to drink myself to death. I'm going to get in an accident and and kill myself by accident, or he's going to kill me because I'm going to terrorize him so much. Like, it just, all these scenarios played out in my mind. And I was like, I have, I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose my daughter. I'm going to like, I have to get it together. And I did. And, um, I, I did slowly, um, slowly, but surely. Um, and I can honestly tell you that out of anything that I've ever tried and I tried it all out of anything that I ever tried is going complete 100% no contact was the only thing that helped me. It is the only thing that, that got me into a better frame of mind where I could finally like be like, okay, what do I do now? You know, like it got me into like a safe, like comfortable space where I was like, okay, I have not spoken to this person. He's not inside of my head anymore. I don't have to listen to him. I don't have to deal with him. I just have to deal with how I'm feeling. Where do I go from here? You know? Um, and it's did, a long time. Sorry. Did you, uh, stop drinking immediately or did it take you a while to stop drinking? Oh God, no, it, I, I don't, it took me a while. Um, you know, I was always like, before I met him, I was always like a social, a social drinker. I mean, I always, I was never like not a drinker per se. I was never like a, you know, raging drunk, um, to that degree. He definitely had substance abuse issues, um, for sure. And to the extent, I don't really know. Like, I don't know if he, he, I suspect he stole like pain pills from me, like, you know, but he was definitely a drinker. Like he, he was an alcoholic for sure. Um, so it just kind of was a catalyst, you know, for drinking, like hanging out with him. It was just, it was a given, you know, anytime we hung out, we were going to drink or he was going to drink at least. And then 
I was going to join in or we were going to go out to dinner and then get a few drinks. And then it just kind of, it was, it always like sort of escalated. Like there was never, there was never a time. I literally in five years, I can count on less than 10 fingers. The amount of times he was not drinking around me. Like seriously, (laughs) Um, he was always, he wasn't like a raging lunatic drunk either though. That was the thing. So it was like deceiving. So like you would think like, oh, well he's had a few drinks, but he's fine. He's normal. Um, but you know, typical narcissist fashion, um, toward, I would say about maybe five months before I finally cut him off completely, um, he had gotten, I was in the, the car with him and he had gotten pulled over and he got a DUI, um, and, and got arrested. <laughs> um, so he was in serious trouble. He lost his license. He was going through court, you know, all of that. Um, three months later, he got pulled over again, um, and got another DUI. So he was, he, he was basically facing jail time at that point. And I was kind of hoping that that would be the case so that I could, it would make it easier for me to just kind of cut him off completely. Like it would give him no avenue to contact me or come back into my life. But unfortunately he got a good attorney. I don't know how or where or what, but he didn't end up going to jail. Um, But wouldn't you know is that apparently it was the, the city, you know, that he lived in, it was their fault, you know, that he got the DUIs. It wasn't his fault and he didn't have a drinking problem. And I was like, Dude, nobody gets pulled over in a matter of three months and gets two DUIs and they don't have a drinking problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, obviously you have a drinking problem. Like, it's nobody else's fault but your own, you know? Um, and, you know, it was just everything else was everybody else's fault. You know, he felt he was above the law. He was just above everybody, you know? Um, so, so, so I, you know, like I said, sorry, I, I don't even know. <laughs> or do it. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I just want, so now that you're out of this and you've gone no contact, uh, right. how, how long has it been? And I guess, where are you in your stage of, uh, the healing process? Are you, and have you found a good therapist? Uh, what is kind of going on and, and what have you done? Okay. Um, no, I have not yet to find a good a good therapist. Um, I have not, honestly. Um, I was seeing somebody, I want to say like up until like December of last year. Um, and I just found her, you know, it was okay. I mean, it was cool to go to somebody and talk and, you know, vent or whatever, but I kind of almost just felt like she was like going through the motions. Like she wasn't really like, you know, she was just there to get a paycheck at the end of the day. Like, that's honestly how I felt. Like, I wasn't really feeling like she was really understanding the magnitude of, of sort of the incidents that I was, like, explaining to her. Um, but as far as, as me and him, I have not spoken to him since June, I want to say early June of 2018. Um, I blocked every avenue, at least I thought <laughs> I blocked every avenue, um, that would give him a way in or a way to contact me. Um, but I did actually get an email from him, 
Um, and I, I actually found this to be extremely pathetic. Um, I got an email from him. Um, I want to say it was like late January of this year. And he had, I deleted it. So I didn't even like sit there and like ruminate over it and reread it or anything like that. Um, he said something like, oh, well, I miss you so much and blah, 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 blah. And honest to God, I, I know he was looking for a reaction, but I couldn't help myself. Like I had, <laughs> I responded and I was like, what, what, what do you mean you miss me? Cause it almost, what he said to me was humorous. Like it didn't provoke like a sadness, if you will. Um, because I'm over him. I'm just not necessarily sort of like over like the trauma sort of, of like what happened. Um, but I'm completely over him. Like I don't ever, like I literally don't ever want to see his face like for the rest of my life. Um, so I responded and I was like, well, what do you mean you miss me? Like, LOL, you know, like, what are you talking about? You don't, you don't miss me. You're out of your mind. Like, don't contact me again. Like, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was like something along those lines. So wouldn't you know, of course his tone changed. He responded and he goes, Oh, like the typical dog you are always barking back. Or he said something stupid like that to me, like something like very demeaning, you know, because I didn't give him what he wanted, you know. He wanted me to be like, oh, yes, I'm heartbroken. I miss you, too, you know. And I didn't give him that because he he always, like, wanted that, like, emotional, mental control over me. And, like, he didn't have it anymore. And he came back with something insulting. And I deleted it. I didn't even respond after that. And then the next day I was like, okay, well, how the heck do you block somebody off of Yahoo? You know, because my main personal email is Yahoo. I figured it out. I blocked them, and I have not heard from them since. Uh, how do you heal? Because uh, I assume you have a lack of trust in everything. Yes. <laughs> Your assumption is, is, is right. I mean, you yeah. couldn't have anything but a um, lack of trust in everything yeah. that's gone on. So... Uh, where do you go? I don't trust where, anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so explain that. Like, how, where is your trust? Like, how do you rebuild your um, trust? Or is that something you have to work on? It's a constant. I mean, you want to know where I put my trust is I try to put my trust in myself at this point, because I got to a point where I didn't trust even myself. Like I didn't even trust my own decisions, my own choices. Um, I have, put a lot of <laughs> trust back into myself. Um, a lot of time spent alone, um, which was very uncomfortable for me at first um, because I've never done that. <laughs> like I've never been in a situation where I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm all I have. <laughs> um, and, and honest to God, like that, that's, and the best thing that could have ever happened to me is, is me just being alone without anybody else to, to rely on. Because I think my issue to begin with was me not loving myself. <laughs> like, honestly, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like your whole life. Is, 
Well, I mean, probably my whole adult life, mm-hmm. you know, I can't really, you know, speak for my childhood um, because, it, you know, you're still kind of developing your sense of, of love and stuff at that point. But I think, you know, my whole adult life, I was sort of seeking validation and love, you know, from outward sources and not really realizing that, you know, the way I, I love myself is sort of a reflection of how people treat me, <laughs> you know, like if I don't love myself. I mean, who, who you know, so I had to, um, the cold hard truth. Sorry. As mm-hmm. far, as far as your, your process then goes of healing, um, you know, loving, I, 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 eventually you might reframe your whole experience where, yeah, it, yes, this is a traumatic experience. Uh, this did happen to me. But I guess eventually mm-hmm. uh, one day, I guess when you're, no one is truly ever healed from this type of situation. But as far as reframing it, will you reframe it <clears throat> in a way where, you know, th- you say this happened but I finally learned to love myself? Um, I'm not at that point yet. Okay. I mean, I'm still learning how to love myself. Um, I'm still learning my boundaries. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people get cut off out of your life when you start to love yourself. <laughs> you know, like, is a, you become a very lonely person for a little while when you start to establish those boundaries. Um and I think that's what keeps a lot of people stuck in, in maybe addictive, any addictive type behavior is like kind of like the, the, the feeling of being alone, like being completely alone in your own thoughts, your own turmoil and, and, and such. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I'm still learning how to love myself, um, I'm going to be 40 this year. So it's like, wow, like it's taken me 40 years to get to this point. But, um, you I'm, got there. I'm getting there. Yeah, you're getting there. I, I think I wrote this down cause I liked what you said. Um, I hopefully I'll, I'll go back and le- re-listen to it so I can write it down properly. But I think you re- uh, you said, uh, it's lonely when you finally start setting boundaries. I didn't write it properly, but right. it's, it's along the lines. It's a really interesting thing. Um, to say it's really that's a real interesting line you know it's, it's a, so true because you would be surprised how many people go away at that point yeah they don't like the you new know? they don't like the new they don't like the you that respects yourself yeah they don't they you know i've had people just oh, oh let me come over let me you know like, hang out listen i you know I don't want that. Like, I don't want any nonsense. Like, <laughs> you, want no, like you, you want a no I drama am, life. No drama, no nonsense. And I love, honest to God, love is, is nah, that's not the right word. Because there's days when I love, I, I like my, my quietness. Like, I love being alone. But I get, alone, I get lonely, you know, don't get me wrong, but at least I can go to bed at night with, like, dignity. <laughs> like, okay, well, I, nobody, like, walked all over me or abused me today. You know, I may feel a little bit lonely, but, you know, that's not going to last forever. But, 
you know, the problem is the thing that's been hard for me is my entire life is like, I've always like, um, I've made that mistake of like, okay, well, one relationship ended badly. Let me run out and find another one right away. You know, let me fill that void. And, and it, it took me this particular situation to be like, no, um, trying to fill that void externally isn't cutting it right now. Like basically I have to love myself because I'm going to be completely frank with you. And this is the one realization that I came to um, throughout this whole experience. And a lot of people may not want to face this or, or agree with this or get this, but a normal <laughs> quote unquote normal, because I don't really know what that means right now, but quote unquote normal healthy person would not allow what happened to me happen to them. So I really had to take like a look at myself and be like, what, a, why did I allow this? Why did this keep happening? Like, why did I allow this to keep happening? Because a normal, healthy person would have been like, fuck you. Like I'm done. Like they wouldn't have dealt with that. But I just kept like going through it and putting myself through it because I was really like seeking some sort of validation and some sort of love. And like, it's deep. Like it's, it's really like, it's deep. And I'm still working through that because I'm like, there's no way if I was in a right frame of mind and I was really truly loving myself that I would allow that to happen. Uh, I've been there. And a lot of us listening have been in your exact same position. So you're not alone. And for you, you're just trying to find the person to help you be with you to get there, to get that trust back uh, in other people before you even go into any sort of relationship. Let's just get trust back with like friendships and authority figures. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, with authority figures <laughs> or people that you're supposed to trust. I need trust my trust back on the basic on the, level. On the basic <laughs> level here. Uh, like first. <laughs> right. Like, um, right. I, you know, you're, I think you're doing everything right. Um, right. Everything you're doing right now is uh, the right thing to do. And you're, you're resetting yourself. And in the process of right. yeah, yeah, in the process of yeah. pressing the reset button, you know you're gonna start. Eventually, you'll start slowly dipping your toe on the water. It may be scary. You might come back to shore, right? And then you it's know, uncomfortable as hell, though. Yeah, resetting yourself. <laughs> yeah, but like so you have to do. And then maybe you'll do. Maybe you'll have like one day where you're like, I'm gonna go out and do this, and you're gonna take that jump. And you know what? You're like, I didn't like that jump. I'm gonna come back to the shore for a little while. I didn't do. Right. You know, I didn't do what I wanted to do. I didn't act the way I wanted to. Right. I didn't protect my boundary. Uh, the way I wanted to in this situation, this is kind of what happened. Maybe I wasn't ready for it. Let's just go back to resetting right. myself again. Maybe I'm not going to stay there as long as I did before, but then I'll try again. And then, you, oh, you know, it's a baby step outward. And then, okay, that worked. And now I'm, I'm okay standing here. I'm not back on the shore. I'm a little bit in the water. I feel a little bit safe. Let me just stay here for a little bit. And like, I'm comfortable where I am, and, you know, and slower and slower and slower, right. you'll get there. But it sounds to me like, you know, exactly where you are, what needs to be done. There's just a lot right. of, uh, trust going on. You're resetting your, your safety net within yourself of who you are and what you right. need and what you want. Um, 
and your self-love for yourself. Uh, you know, not a lot of people will figure out, like, I need to love myself first. Um, and I like, I really be, you know, who I am. And then let's get back into the trust factor. Cause right now you, you, you've lacked trust in yourself and your decision-making process. So to me, it sounds like that you are on the right path. You're going to get to where you're going to get. You're going to have a lot of uh, steps forward and steps backwards and steps forwards and step backwards. But mm-hmm. I, you know, to me, it sounds like you know what you're doing. No, but, I definitely do. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, I would like to add, <laughs> you know, just for your audience. Yeah. Um, because I know there's a lot of people that are married, even if they're not married, they have children or, you know, whatever. And, and you know, I have a child, I have a seven year old and she was affected, you know, well, I was physically present during that period of time. I wasn't like emotionally present and, you know, she was going through the separation with me and her father and she was blah, 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 blah. You know, I could go on for days about that. But when I finally, and I'm telling you, this just spoke volumes alone. When I cut off the relationship with this person, my daughter started thriving. Like, literally, like, I feel like my behavior was repressing her. Like, she wasn't feeling happy because she knew I wasn't happy. And she was picking up on my behaviors as much as I tried to hide them and mask them, you know, when I was with her, when I had her, she knew, I mean, she's not an idiot. And literally like her, she is so happy now, like happier than I've seen her in a few years. And that alone was motivation for me. Like that alone, like just even her, she was so happy because I had to have that conversation with her. Like I sat down with her and I told her like, look, we are not going to see him again. We're not going to, you know, and that's the only other man aside from her father that's been in her life. I said, we're not going to see him again. Like it's over, you know, what are your concerns? Are you sad? She's like, I'm sad. You know, I'm going to miss Literally, like, we've had this conversation, and she could not be happier because she no longer sees me upset over him. And that's motivation enough for you to set an example now and um, just so she doesn't fall eventually, you know, uh, into the same – because, you know, her picking up on how you're doing um, and feeling sad about it, uh, is a code, you know, you don't want to raise someone who's in a codependency. Now you have the, the opportunity now to like, uh, right. to, to fix, uh, what's that? Right. Just, just by being, uh, a good you, a healthy you. Right. Right. Just even healthy and literally, um, you know, I'm going off on a tangent, but like I would, for example, okay, me taking to her, her to the park in March of 2018 versus me taking her to the park now, it's a completely different dynamic. You know what I mean? I could take her and do something with her, but she knew I wasn't, like, 
engaged. I wasn't there. I wasn't, you know, I was just going through the motions. Now I take her somewhere and I'm involved. Like I'm there. I'm all on her. You know what I mean? Like I'm with her. I'm doing it with her. Like she gets it. Like her attention, like, I don't know. I can't even explain it, but like, she's just like a completely different child. Like she's always been a good child, but she's like a completely different child. Like she's, I don't know. It just, it it, it just speaks to me because I know there's so many parents that like go through that and like, they don't understand or don't realize how much it affects the children. And it does like it definitely does. Well, it's, it's, it's good that you can see the difference and that you know right. that there, you know, that you know that there's a distance, that there's a difference. And you should be proud of yourself that you can see those things and that like, right. uh, that you're doing it and aware of it. So, you know, if there are issues as she gets maybe a little older, that you know exactly where it came from and what it stems from and you can have an open right. discussion about it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Grace, for being on the show. I loved having okay. this conversation. Uh, I okay. did. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we uh, do. Before before we leave, do you have uh, anything? Uh, last parting words for everyone. Uh, no contact. Number one. Number no one. contact at all costs. I'm telling you. All right. Well, I, I, I tried everything else. That was the only thing, only thing that helped. Well, hopefully uh, a lot of people learn from uh, your experience. And I really just want to thank you once again for sharing your story. It was an honor to be here and listen to you today. I'm sorry for all the technical difficulties, but even during, <laughs> our, even during our technical difficulties, I enjoyed our conversation within those technical difficulties. Likewise. And uh, <laughs> I wish nothing but the best, and hopefully we'll get an update from you in the future. <laughs> all right. Goodbye. And that was my conversation with Grace. So thank you, Grace, once again for being on the show. There are a lot of lessons in there that I think everyone can take away from this episode. A lot of trust stuff, trusting yourself, trusting others, and you know, taking time to reset yourself, I think is a big and important thing for everyone to do after this happens and doing the baby steps and, and everything along those lines. So once again, thank you, Grace, for being a part of our show. And before we leave, or before I leave, I just want to remind everyone again about our fundraiser for Layla at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Go to the fundraiser section, plunk down, you know, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, maybe more. Help Layla get her trauma therapy for a year. She deserves it. Also, we created a Facebook group, which is different from our Facebook page. This one is a closed group now. We're doing a closed group now, so no one can see our messages outside of our closed group. It's more interactive. More people get involved. It's actually, since that has happened, has been quite lively and uh, a lot more fun, a lot of people sharing and helping each other in there. So that is at facebook.com slash groups slash Narcissist Apocalypse. 
Also, we have a Reddit subreddit, and if you wanted to discuss today's episode, go to reddit.com, look up the subreddit, Narcissist Apocalypse. It's a capital N on the N and a capital A on the Apocalypse. And I said capital N on the N. It's a capital N on the Narcissist and a capital A on Apocalypse. And lastly, before we leave, if you want to read a letter to your narcissist on our episode, our special episode of Letters to Our Narcissist, we have a voicemail recorder on our website. Go to record, go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, click on the record button. It's on the side of the page. It says send voicemail. It's always floating. It's hard to miss. We're accumulating these letters to have a volume two of that episode. So record away. And now our show is over. Be well. And until next time, take care of yourselves.